Every company has breakdowns in their revenue process. Sure thing deals slip into next quarter, competitors creep in and swipe deals away at the last minute, and deals getting single threaded that don't get to power. These are just a few examples of revenue leak, but there are a ton more, and they're preventing your team from reaching their sales targets. That's why I'm such a big fan of Clary's revenue platform. It's the only tool that actually helps leaders take control of their revenue and thrive through any market conditions, especially when things get tough. You can't afford to miss a single detail, but you also can't be leading by gut. Clary combines the science and the art of sales and sales leadership. So go to Clary.com if you want to answer the most important question in your business. Are you going to meet, beat, or miss on revenue? Welcome to the Live Better, Sell Better podcast with your host, Kevin Dorsey of Inside Sales Excellence, the number one Patreon group and YouTube channel for tech sellers and tech sales leaders, where we dive in deep for tactical advice on how to book more meetings, close more deals faster, and lead sales teams to success. But we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, a.k.a. KD. And today we are talking about P.O.E., Pipeline Over Everything. Y'all know me. You know Pipeline is near and dear to my heart. I'm forever a prospector, which is why I get so excited when I see someone putting out great content around how to prospect the right way. Because so much prospecting advice out there is very boilerplate. Just do this. Use this line. Use this email without making it relevant to the prospect that you are targeting, but then also building the right systems in place to do so. You can't just send one good email. You need to send five good emails. You can't just make one call. You have to build out the whole process. And that is why I'm so excited to have Jed Marley on the show with me today. He's the head of Outbound over at Mailshake, and he's going to walk us through not only his journey into SaaS, which is really fun and we're going to dive into, but how to prospect for the modern day, how to stand out, how to be relevant and be memorable. Jed, my man, welcome to the show. What's up, KD? Thanks for having me. I like that acronym too, P-O-E, prospecting over P-O-E, everything. P-O-E, over <laughs> everything. Actually, for anyone that like ever watches the video on this, this was a gift from my team. It's a decanter that actually says, Pipeline over oh, everything. <laughs> My team bought this for me. POE was on our onboarding shirts. POE was on the sweatshirts we made for our team. Like it's what we lived and breathed it because the idea was if we can open it, we know we can close it. But yeah. if the pipeline isn't there, we can't grow. And so obviously, you know, this is the world that Mailshake plays in as well. But if you think about prospecting, right, generating pipeline. I'm going to start this on a different angle. Like, what are some of the common mistakes you see people making out there when it comes to generating pipeline? And then we'll start getting into how to solve those things. 
For sure. Yeah. I think the biggest mistake is not understanding your ICP well enough. So one of the most powerful things you can do, whether you're an SDR, an AE, anybody who's prospecting is take time, block time off to really study your ICP, study the deals that have come inbound, study your customers and really break it down and figure out, you know, who are you having the best conversations with? What are their really like their pain points? Um, that's the biggest thing, you know, that helped me as well is just diving in, figuring out what exactly are the pain points um, as opposed to just reaching out to any sort of account. And so getting really niche and narrowed down is one of the biggest things um, to kind of stand out in that sense. Ah, I'm so pumped. That's No one starts there. Nobody <laughs> starts there. I'm so excited. That's where you, where you went. Cause we're going to unpack this a little bit. Cause funny enough in my playbooks for my reps, the first section was about what it meant to be a part of the org, right? Like just yeah. part of the org. The second part was the personas. And I yeah. took them through this whole exercise of how to get into the mind of the persona. So like go a layer deeper there, right? No one talks about how to learn about the prospect, understanding the ICP. What are the things I need to know? What are the things I need to understand? And how do I find some of that information out? Yeah. So first of all, I feel like a lot of SDRs or new salespeople, they focus too much on the product and definitely focusing on the ICP and the persona is, is kind of the priority. There's a few ways you can do this. If you have a large enough company, just slack the people who are your ICP within your company and ask for like 30 minutes on their calendar to interview them. Ask what sort of emails do you open up? You know, what's, what are the day-to-day -day problems that you're focusing on? That's the, the number one easiest way to do it. Um, one of the big things I did at Mailshake when I joined was I just reached out to, we sell to VPs of sales. So I reached out to 20 VPs of sales in my network and just ask, hey, like, I'm not trying to sell you or anything. I just want like 15 to 30 minutes or even just to ask you some questions over LinkedIn. Um, and then I asked them questions related to our product, right? Um, I asked them about their day-to-day. -day. I asked them, when do you consider looking at sales engagement tools since that's the, the, the space we sell in? Um, you know, the fact that I have somewhat of a brand definitely helped with them responding to that. But wherever you're at in your process, if you reach out, if you make a good enough offer, um, people are going to respond, you know, and, and whether you have a brand or not, if you reach out to enough people, um, you know, salespeople like helping salespeople, people, especially on LinkedIn. So, so reach out, ask for those conversations. And that's been the biggest way for me to kind of find out about my ICP and really understand my personas. I love that. This was not where I thought you were going to start. I'm so glad that you did because this is, <laughs> this is everything. You need to understand your prospect better. Then yeah. you figure out the product and how to attain it. But knowing the prospect, how they think, how they use your product. And for leaders listening, bonus, record all these calls. Yeah. Record every single one because then you put them into onboarding. Where the rep, the new reps don't have to reach out to redo all this work. They can listen to 30 of these interviews. And I promise you, it's the number one place I work with companies if they're short on resources I say, go interview 20 to 25 of your customers. I have six questions that I take them through that I've covered on other episodes. Record all those. That's what your new hires listen to. Yeah. You want them to level up quickly. They need to understand this fast. So I love this, right? So very, very good. So then what do I do with this information though? All right, Jed. So I went and talked to, you know, 20 people. I asked these questions. Now what? What do I do with this information to help me generate more pipeline? Do I get to ask them all for meetings now, Jed? How does this work? Yeah, for sure. So now you kind of take that information to make your messaging a lot more targeted. 
So we can start with like on calls. Now you can start referencing, hey, I'm talking with a lot of VPs of sales or VP of marketing, and these are the top three things they're telling me. Is any of that relevant? Um, and leading with the problem in that sense has been the most successful for me on calls. But specifically for emails, um, you lead with those problems in emails. So you figure out what are the top three pain points that I'm hearing from these prospects, from these personas, or if I listen to customer calls, what are the top things I'm hearing? And then let me create um, a sequence of emails, right? But I'll reference the most, the problem that I heard the most in that first email. Hey, you know, we talk with other VPs of sales. This is the biggest problem I'm seeing. And that's the problem you reference. The next email, you're, you're referencing a new problem. The third email, you're re referencing a third problem. So you use that to get really specific in your email and phone messaging. Um, and the biggest thing too, is that when you're prospecting, when you're on the phone with people, they can tell when you understand them, right? When you speak their language. Um, I was selling uh, to IT a little bit when I was at Pandadoc selling e-signatures. Um, and IT has a different way of communicating. They have different lingo. Um, there's, you know, so if you speak their language and you start talking about things like you're one of them, um, they're going to tune in a little bit more when you're on the, when you're on the call. Or if you use those acronyms or uh, th those sort of, the words that they use in your emails, again, it's just another way for them to notice that and want to respond to your messaging a lot more than if you were a little bit more generic. Um, so mm -hmm. doing that alone and really spending time digging into your ICP has been one of the biggest differentiators in any SDR that I've worked with um, or account executive name, it, you know, whoever it is, but that's, that's a huge thing. Yeah, no, I love that. It's, I used to call it the long day after work test. Right. Where mm -hmm. if you couldn't picture your prospect sitting down after a long day of work, pouring a whiskey, leaning back, taking a deep breath and going, God, if I could just solve or if I only had. Right. The example I always yeah. use was actually at Patient Pop. Right. When I joined Patient Pop, a lot of the messaging in our outbound was, you know, practice, you know, growth platform. Yeah. And I was like, how many doctors when I did all my interviews, think said the words practice growth platform. Yeah. None. That's not how they talk, right? When they sit down after a long day, it's not saying, God, I wish I had a practice growth platform. It's, God, how am I going to get my next patient? Yeah. What happens if I don't meet payroll? Why am I losing to this company? That's how they talk. And then I love your example. Then you put that into your email messaging, right? And you spread that out over time. Yeah. I mean, I'll have my prospects even write my emails for me. Like when I've had those meetings, I'm saying, Hey, look at this email. And one of the biggest tests you can do to your point, Kevin is, um, pull up your email and say, Hey, would this persona, like are the words in this email, is there anything my persona wouldn't say? Like to your point, growth platform, if they wouldn't say that, just remove it from your email or replace it with something else. Another really easy thing to do if you sell software is go on G2 crowd and look at customer reviews. And I would literally just copy and paste snippets of how they described our product and use that for my email because that's literally coming straight from your customer. That's their mm -hmm. messaging. That's what's going to re resonate most. Yeah, it's it's crazy to man. We could spend the entire episode on just getting to know the the prospect because if you think back to you know selling at least when I first got into to sales, I think I'm a decent amount older than you, maybe just a year, probably only a year older. <laughs> but when I started selling, right, like that's actually where most of the training was focused. It was like industry knowledge. It was yeah. the prospect knowledge. Now in SaaS, it's so much more of like the product knowledge, and we just completely skip over this part of like getting to know the prospect and the problems that they're having. So let's keep going down this path a little bit. So I've done some of these interviews. 
and I'm going to start trying to craft messaging. And you said something very important of using their language. Go just a little bit mm-hmm. deeper on that. Because I think that's really an important call out of like, are you using their language in your messaging? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a few different ways you can break it down. I mentioned like an IT persona will use certain different acronyms. Maybe um, if you're talking to a VP of sales, you know, you want to talk about revenue. You want to talk about things that. I'll give you a good example, right? So I sell sales engagement software. If I'm a VP of sales, I'm not really as concerned with the open rates of my team's emails. I'm not as concerned with the reply rates of my team's emails. I'm probably more concerned about the pipeline and the opportunities that we're booking as a result of those emails. So you can break it down by um, seniority level. So if I'm talking to like a C-level or a VP level and I'm selling sales engagement email outreach software, I'm not going to talk to them about improving open rates, reply rates, things like that. I'm going to talk about more high-level stuff that they care about, that they're looking at on a day-to-day. Now, if I'm prospecting lower, which I do to somebody like at the management level or the director level, well, if I'm talking to an SDR manager, they do care about open rates. They do care about reply rates. That's a problem they care about. So don't just break it down by the persona level. Figure out their lingo. Like I said, you interview them. You just write down the words that they're saying, the common things you're hearing, You know, look at G2 crowd, but also break it down by seniority level. Typically, people towards the top are going to be are going to want to be a lot more brief with your emails. Um, they don't care as much about personalization; they just want to know what the problem is. So, get more high level there, but then get more specific the lower you go. And that's kind of like a general rule. But again, break it off, uh, break it down by seniority level and persona in terms of like the language you're coming up with for your messaging. Yeah, I- I love that. And what you're starting to get into is kind of like what I've called, right? Like CTD and you used to like relevance. You have to connect the dots. Like, all right, maybe your product does improve open rates. If you're emailing that to a VP or a CRO, you have to be able to connect the dots back, right? Like, all right, I care about revenue, right? You can't book a meeting if the email's never opened. Yeah. Now we're connecting the dots, right? Of like, if you need more revenue, you need more meetings. If you need more meetings, you can't book a meeting if someone never opens the email. Yeah. Like in going through all that, I just think the connecting of the dots, that's how you make it relevant. And then you called out one of my, one of my favorite talks. I knew we were going to vibe on this, man. This is good shit, <laughs> right? Is I talked about the three eyes of targeting, right? You target mm-hmm. low for info, middle for insight, high for influence and so often people are targeting high for insight right they're trying to find out what's happening if you're reaching out to me you better already know what's happening in my business and you find that out by targeting low so talk to me about that talk to me about like targeting low and high because there's still a ton of people out there just like go after the decision maker Go yeah. after the decision maker. Get you know, get the get the CTO on the phone. And you're like, what the <laughs> no. So talk to me about how you work the different levels differently and kind of when you work those levels. Yeah. First of all, that three I thing, I think I may have heard that from you in the past before, but I'm definitely writing that down again. Like that's I know I've been using that type of strategy, but that explains it perfectly. Um, but I, I completely agree, right? Um, one of the biggest things, again, so I sell to salespeople. Um, if you're fortunate enough to sell to salespeople, you need to be talking to the sales reps, the SDRs, the AEs there and getting info from them because they're always going to respond to their messages. Their inbox is not as flooded. So one of the first things we do when my SDR and when an SDR on my team or myself gets into account, I want to go after, I'm not going to talk to the director, not going to talk to VP, C-level. I'm going straight to the ground floor and just asking for info. 
And it can be as simple as just sending a quick message. Or if you use like a, a gifting software, you can say, hey, just curious, like what software you guys are using for XYZ? You know, here's a $5 coffee gift card. Thanks for the help. So something mm-hmm. simple like that. And we do that like over a three-day period. And then we gather all this info. And then we start talk- targeting that middle level, director level. Um, hey, you know, when speaking with your team, these are some things I've noticed. Um, is any of that relevant? Um, sometimes we'll book a meeting with that person, but if not, we can go to the C-level and really just condense down everything we've learned and say, hey, here's like the problem I think is happening in your organization, would it make sense to chat further? Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's working your way up the ladder. And I think the problem is that a lot of people, you know, they just want to rush. They want to make the activities. And it's really hard to take a step back and and work your way up and not just go directly to that C-level, but take the time to actually research the account um, and then go go to that higher level. No, that that's the key here. And as as you mentioned it, like you said it perfectly, man. Because so often, and a lot of this is the leader's fault. It's not just the the sales dev rep or the AE's fault. Is like we're so addicted to speed yeah. that we do things the wrong way. We're even just slowing down for a month, just one month of intentionally restructuring and doing things the right way would pay for itself 10 times over the next three months. Because if you go low for info, right? I find out you don't have a sales engagement tool. Info, that's not that hard to figure out, right? You can reach out to seven or eight different SDRs or AEs at a company. Y'all use a sales engagement tool. One person responds back, says no. Now I got some info. Now I can go to the middle and go, hey, I know you don't have a sales engagement tool. So how are you managing X, Y, and Z. Like, yeah. what, what does that look like? Now I'm engaging with some insight. Well, I speak with a director. It's like, well, we manage it through this. We do this, we do this. Now I go to the top and go, hey, yeah. my guess is as a CRO, you want more revenue. In speaking with your team, there's no engagement tool, which means that they're having to do this manually, which means reps are losing time. You can't book nearly enough. And there's no tracking of the data needed to make better decisions could we at least have influence, right? Yeah. All because we worked through the levels to get there. And it wouldn't take that long to reset your process to do that. But everyone's just going to the CRO saying, we're going to three extra pipeline. And that CRO is like, you don't even know my pipeline. So it just doesn't sound relevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, perfect. And you just use the word I wanted to go into next, right? So how do you bring relevancy into prospecting? Because there's still, you know, personalization versus customization all you know this goes back and forth but like just because you email me and say hey i saw you went to wisconsin go badgers <laughs> that's not relevant to anything like it's personalized but it's not relevant so talk to me about relevancy right that was one of the first words you mentioned to me when we were kicking this off you brought it up again what does that mean yeah so i i'd say relevancy is the way you know i and my teams have been able to be a lot more efficient in terms of not having to spend a lot of time doing personalization, but just talk to the right people, get more responses. And it starts with what we just talked about, which is getting doing account research. And the best way to do account research, in my opinion, is just to talk to people on the ground floor. Um, but secondly, you know, most of my messaging and the sequences in, in email campaigns that we build out uh, is based around buying triggers. And so these are things like, well, first of all, it starts with looking at who are our customers and why did they buy? Uh, why are these inbound leads coming in, for example? Are they coming in, oh, they just hired their first sales leader and now he came inbound. 
and wants to look at our software. So that's like a buying trigger, right? Somebody who just joined a new company or they're hiring uh, whatever department you sell to. Or, I mean, funding is, a, is another example. You don't really want to use that in your messaging, but sure, that could be called a buying trigger. But you can get a lot more specific than that. Um, basically, what we're doing is we're looking for these buying triggers on the outside, and then we're structuring our messaging around that. So, hey, saw so you just got promoted to director of sales development. Typically, when you know SDR directors start off, this is what they're looking for, yada, 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 going down that path. Um, and all the messaging seems super specific to these people, even though we're not personalizing it much because we spent a lot more time on the front end kind of breaking it down by buying triggers. So that's mm-hmm. what kind of relevance means to me is we spend more time in the front end breaking up our lists and our target accounts by buying triggers. And then we load them into sequences and campaigns that align with those buying triggers. And we come across as a lot more relevant uh, without having to spend time as much time on personalization. Yeah. I, I love that because the relevancy, right. And it's funny because people always use buying triggers and what I coach companies on is like, what are new expectation triggers? Mm-hmm. So just because I raised money is not a buying signal, right? but it is a signal I've got new expectations. Everyone seems to forget this about fundraising. When someone gives you $10 million, they want $100 million back. Yeah, There's new expectations. That, just anyone listening, that's how you target someone after fundraising, is y'all raised money. That comes with new expectations. Do you have what got you to 10 million isn't what gets you to 100 million? Do you have the things in place to get you to that next level, right? That's, again, making it relevant. That was always what's hilarious is people, oh, congrats on the fundraise. I'm like, Really? Yeah. Do you understand what I just got signed up for? If you understood what I got signed up for, your language would change and that would make you more relevant, right? And so now let's talk about kind of how to build this out. So we've talked about understanding the prospect, right? Getting to know them. We've talked about understanding their language, getting that into our messaging, right? Like how to craft that. We've talked about kind of low, middle, and high. Now start talking about, okay, well, then how do I build out like these sequences or how do I build out these cadences or these touch patterns in an optimal way to help get all this done? Because if you're trusting the, the rep to remember to do all of this, yeah, impossible, not going to happen. So how do you structure like your sequences or your cadences to support this type of process? Yeah, absolutely. So like I kind of mentioned earlier, um, most of our we'll just call them sequences. There's a million different ways to call it. Most of them are built around a buying trigger, right? So we'll set it up. Um, it's built around a buying trigger and a specific persona. So for each persona we're going after and each buying trigger, there's a different sequence. And then we talked about it earlier, the top three problems that you hear from that persona. There's three different clusters within that sequence focused around a different problem. So we're not mentioning all the problems we typically hear on that first email or in that beginning messaging. We're breaking it out across the sequence. That way we can spread out the touch points and still be relevant without being redundant and just mentioning the same problems. So there's three different clusters and typically within one cluster, it'll be one or two phone calls, a voicemail, a LinkedIn touch, and then two or three emails. So it's that email referencing the, the, it's like call, LinkedIn, email referencing the pain point, kind of like a bump email another call, another LinkedIn, and then maybe we'll move on to the next cluster a week later, a few days later. And so it starts by really structuring what are the top buying triggers we're seeing or to your 
your point, expectation triggers. Um, you have to break that down really well by looking at your customer and inbound data. Um, and then what are the top three problems for each persona? And that's how I break down the messaging to stay relevant across two, three weeks of touch points. Mm-hmm. And with, and you've actually brought this up a couple times and I want to call this out. You've referenced looking at inbound data to help your outbound process. And you're the only person I've ever spoken to that talks about this other than me around where I start my outbound. I start my outbound by reviewing all the inbound. That's where I start because I'm going to learn what are they searching for? What are their keywords? What ads do they like? What language do they seem to respond to? What do they download the most, right? So talk to me about this because this is this is gold that a lot of outbound teams miss out on is they don't pay attention to what's happening with inbound. Yeah, it's like it's like tracking the weather. Um, it, when I first started as an SDR, my manager, uh, he told me every inbound lead was an outbound lead yesterday. So I was like, all right, like Ben, I'm going to figure out how to how to Love find that. that. Say, say that again. That was gold. He said uh, every inbound lead was an outbound lead yesterday. That was Troy Barter. Shout out to him. Um, okay, Troy. Yeah. So he he told me that. I'm like, all right, I just have to figure out how to – I'm an outbound rep. You know, I'm not going to let that lead get to inbound. I'm going to figure out what they're doing to become an inbound lead. Like, what are the trends? So I went into Salesforce, and I would look at all the inbound leads. I would break it down in the spreadsheet. What are all like the technographic or what is all the data I can find on, on this lead and why they came inbound? Like what sort of trends can I start to see? Um, and yeah, it's one of the biggest things. It's not hard to go into your CRM and find that data um, and then kind of work backwards from there. But you're almost like predicting what sort of things was I seeing before this inbound lead came in that caused them to go inbound and then using that for your for your outbound targeting. Um, that's kind of high level. We can obviously dig in, but that's that's pretty much the gist of it. Yeah, no, that is very similar. I would go in, I'd meet with marketing. I'd say, okay, what is our number one lead source? Yeah. Then I'd ask, what are the long tail keywords people are using that find us, right? Are they looking for sales engagement? Are they looking for a prospecting tool? Are they that's looking good. for a SDR tool? Like what are the long tail phrases that they're using? Because that's what I'm going to make sure my messaging is around. What ads do they click on the most? That tells me what language catches their eye. That starts to become my subject lines and my first sentences. What pages do they spend the most time on on the website? That's what I'm going to link out to in my emails. What assets do they download the most inbound? I'm going to start sending that shit outbound, right? Because all of that stuff, I want to know what do people do when there isn't a salesperson involved? I'm going to then do those things outbound, right? Like if they're searching for these types of things, I'm going to bring this out. And so that's always how I approached it too, which is like, if I'm going to do outbound, I can learn almost everything I need to from inbound and then bring that information out to outbound, right? That was always what I found as like the best, best setup there. And so we're going to take a quick pivot here as we start to, to wrap up about kind of this journey right? Of like where you are now, right? At a, a, you've been at some great startups, you're leading an outbound team. Now you get to work with, you know, Sujin and the squad over there, right? But the journey, like, I'm going to actually work backwards. It's like, how did you get to this point? Like some of the, like, I, and I mean this, man, I do not say this lightly. Some of the shit that you're talking about today, I hear very, very rarely talking to people, interviewing people, whatever else. How did you develop these skills, 
Yeah. Um, honestly, most of it is just doing as much networking as possible on, on LinkedIn. I think there's different levels to how you can, can learn these things and consume content. You can go to the top performers at your company, which a lot of people are doing, but then you're only siloed within your company, right? You're only going to know what everybody knows at your company. You can consume content from LinkedIn podcasts, which is great. Or you can try to meet with people and ask questions. And that's where I've had the most success. And the easiest way to do that, because not everybody's going to give up time on their calendar. The easiest way to do that has been just what I call like learning out loud, right? So I started creating content on LinkedIn saying, hey, here's what I'm learning. Here's what I'm sharing. And naturally, people started to gravitate towards it. And that's what allowed me to reach out to people who are experts in the industry. A lot of this stuff, it's like I didn't come up with these things. Obviously, you're familiar with the concepts. We learned it from somebody somewhere. And so I reached out to people who are further along my, in, my, in my career, look for mentors in that sense. And um, it's just kind of having that, that goal in mind of always trying to learn new things. I'm always trying to find new things to test as an SDR, like what's the next subject line I can try? What's the next strategy? And it's just setting a consistent goal week over week to just connect with somebody new for a quick Zoom call from LinkedIn, um, you know, w- listen to this podcast, that sort of thing. And then document, 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 write down the notes that I'm hearing and then apply that the next week, you know, in my job. I, I love that. And that's always what I've recommended to people is like reach out to people just a couple years ahead of you. So yeah. often when people are like looking for mentorship, right, they're like, oh, like who's who's built a billion dollar like company? I want to go get mentored by them. Well, if you haven't built a 50 million dollar company, maybe you should start with someone who's done that recently right yeah. who's just a couple years ahead of you is where i generally recommend people look for mentors and learning this is who's done the next step recently right like i get reached out to quite often by you know sdrs and aes looking for mentorship and i'm like i'm more than happy to do that but i would way rather you talk to someone who just got promoted in the last year from ae to enterprise or who just yeah. went from SDR to AE. Because there's things I can give you feedback on for sure. But like that recency effect matters, right? Because then I also do the same thing. Funny enough, actually, I haven't really shared this. I like to mentor down sometimes. I mean, I also like to find mentees that have just made recent transitions. So I can learn how they did it as well. So I can help them. But I also want to learn like what is working? What, what is progressing? Are the things that I know still relevant? Or am I already old? I'm out the game. It doesn't matter. And so I love, I love that you're seeking out that that knowledge, which is going to take me to my next question here, because you shared this with me. I'm excited about this, right? There are people that love to learn, and there are people that love school. <laughs> I loved to learn. School was not my favorite, right? So I've, I've shared this publicly. I am a college dropout. I dropped out 15 credits short of graduation because I was in a major that I knew I was never going to use and I was miserable. Jed, talk to me about your own education journey. I think we might have some similarities here. Yeah. So I was actually homeschooled growing up. Um, and then I graduated. Uh, well, so I was trying to play college basketball. Maybe I could have rode the bench at like a Christian college, D3, right. whatever, with no scholarship. I was grinding hard one summer. I couldn't get anything done. I realized, all right, I have to give up on this and transition to something else. And I was kind of like you in the sense that I, there wasn't like maybe a, a major that I felt like I was going to pursue a career in, like I wanted to do business. So I figured I found this program called Praxis, which is not a tech sales boot camp, but it's a 
it's a professional development bootcamp. They give you skills. They help you build your resume, LinkedIn profile to then look for growing startups. I went through that program. I said, hey, if it doesn't work out, then I'll go to school. But let me try this out for a year. I did that. I interviewed for uh, like two or three months and then finally landed at PandaDoc for like an apprenticeship SDR position. Um, but yeah, I, I took the the college alternative route um, partially because I was homeschooled. I was already kind of, I, I kind of grew up with that sort of um, different way of thinking in a sense where it was a little bit more acceptable to kind of do that. Cause I know not everybody grows up in an environment where just opting out of college or dropping out of college is a comfortable thing they can do. So I was definitely fortunate to where I was almost encouraged, but um, it, it definitely, it worked out. You know, I think there's um, especially if you want to get into sales tech, like, there's so many boot camps now. There's so many people that can help you out. So many free resources. Um, it's absolutely possible. Yeah, no, it, it is, man. And like, it, at the end of the day, right? Like skills are what start to open doors for you. You just have to find that one door. Find yeah. that one door you can step into, and then you develop yourself better than anybody else. That degree becomes really, really irrelevant. Like I was yeah. majoring in kinesiology. I okay. wish somebody would ask me like, oh, well, like, how did that degree help you get to where you are now? Like, uh, it didn't. Like, <laughs> I learned some psychology. I learned that I liked psychology because of that major. I didn't major in psychology, right? Like the 500 plus books in my office right now and on my phone, that's where I learned. Right. Yeah. And so as we wrap here, what are some of the things you do to continue that learning to this day? Besides just reaching out to like mentors and networking, like how else do you continue to like sharpen the saw? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's listening to podcasts. It's really don't just listen to podcasts because everybody else listens to podcasts. Think what is what is the best way for you to consume content? And for me, that's that's podcasts. Um, I don't love reading physical books as much. I'll listen to it. So audiobooks, podcasts, um, that's the biggest thing for me. And I just try to set a, a goal. In terms of like, what am I struggling with my day to day job? Great. Let me find a good book or a good, you know, podcast around that specific topic and just get a crash course, take some notes and apply it the next day. Um, mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing for me. I love that, man. It never stops. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still reviewing. Going like, where can I improve? Like, what happened? Like, yeah. what could I make improvements around? And so, love it, dude. I got one last question for you before we wrap up here, right? Because the name of this podcast is Live Better, Sell Better. Right? I have this weird idea that if we lived a little bit better, if we took better care of ourselves, had more joy or energy, happiness, fulfillment, purpose, whatever, that the sales would also improve. What would your live better advice be for people listening? Yeah, I love that, man. Um, mine is where do you feel? When do you think about the moments where everything else kind of tunes out and you're just in the moment? For me, that's playing basketball. And just make time to do that every week, like time where you don't even think about your phone, you don't think about work, whatever that moment is where you kind of just almost black out and you're just in the moment. Uh, that's, you know, try to make time for that weekly. And so for me, that's that's playing basketball weekly. Uh, but, you know, find that moment and make time for it. Yeah, it's and it's and it's funny enough. There's also so much research into like those flow state activities where you can get into a flow state, right? Playing a sport, playing an instrument, surfing, right? Where it, it does, it takes your brain away for a second and you're not thinking. Yeah. We overthink so much that we never actually give ourselves the opportunity to not think. And so finding things that bring you into flow state actually makes you a better thinker. You'll have better yeah. ideas. 
you'll have better problem solving. You'll get more creative if you allow yourself to go there. So Jed, my man, this was phenomenal. You touched on some things that I was not anticipating, which is also what makes these fun and shows me you really know your stuff. And where can people learn more about you, what you're doing, your team, your company? Where can they put more of what you're putting out? Yeah, um, follow me on LinkedIn, Jed Marley. Um, I have a newsletter, Practical Prospecting, where I share a lot of prospecting tips like this. Um, and that's, that's the best place to find me. Love it, my man. Well, keep doing what you're doing. I see it. I love it. Keep it up, my man. I'm sure we'll be chatting again soon, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, Katie.